Welcome back to another session of Better Podcasting Chats with me, I'm SP. This is a streamed and recorded casual chat with other hobby and passion podcasters to share their experience, knowledge, joy, and enthusiasm of podcasting. Once this live stream is over of the chat, I'm going to take those recorded files and turn it into a podcast. Better Podcasting is a project by Stephen John Drew and myself to help hobby and passion podcasters start their podcasts and make their existing projects better. And that's why we call it Better Podcasting. Since the last chat session, SpaceX has completed its second Starship launch tower at Kennedy Space Center in Florida. The first one is in Boca Chica, Texas. SpaceX is beginning its third Starship launch tower, and signs are pointing it to be placed at Kennedy Space Center, just like the second one. Although, until confirmed, it could go at Boca Chica or be erected on one of SpaceX's oil platforms it purchased for that specific purpose, or maybe at Vandenberg out west. Starship Booster 7 has been brought back to the launch area in Boca Chica and placed on the orbital launch mount. Today, Starship Ship 24 was standing right next to the OLM, the orbital launch mount, and it was going to be raised up, but then they ran into an issue with the crane pinchers. Basically, it pinched too hard. So they're going to have to repair some damage, and then they're going to lift that sucker up. That's going to be the biggest rocket this planet has ever seen. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that one fly. In podcasting for me, in my other podcast, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to be covering the She-Hulk Attorney at Law finale this week, followed in the next few weeks by a review of Werewolf at Night, which is on Disney+. Plus. If you haven't seen it already and you're a Halloween nut, you probably should. And then Thor Love and Thunder. And... I have an upcoming guest appearance on smoking and drinking in space. And as I mentioned this last week, yeah, it was supposed to publish last week. It didn't, and it is going to publish this week. If you're into bad movies, this is one you're going to want to see. It's the 1989 film Slipstream. It stars Mark Hamill. Yeah, that Mark Hamill that's, you know, Luke Skywalker and Bill Paxton, which is going to be available hopefully Friday, October 14th, 2022. And we had a lot of fun doing that. In case you're new to Better Podcasting Chats with SP, that's this show right here. If you are a hobby or passion podcaster, I'm interested in chatting with you. If you want to schedule a time to chat with me about your podcasting experience and your podcast, please send me an email to stargatepioneer at betterpodcasting.com or send me a DM on Twitter or Discord, and we'll arrange a date. And in case you're listening to this and you don't think it applies to you, oh, you're mistaken. It certainly does apply to you, and I am really excited to chat with you. So send me a note, and we will get that along the way. Now, for the next hour, I'm chatting with a very creative individual. Jessica Castro is the writer, director, and producer of the monthly audio drama heinous investigations from wildly productions when she's not podcasting she works as a designer for an events company in brooklyn new york and occasionally plays dungeons and dragons and attends genre conventions welcome to the chat jessica hi how you doing today (laughs) oh how am i doing yeah i'm doing well i think i'm excited to uh get a chance to be on here and uh talk about the show. Uh, pretty, yeah, this is going to be fun, I think. It is. So let's start with people getting to know you. What inspired you to start podcasting? I think for me, it honestly goes back to a lot of how I grew up. In particular, I had a grandfather, my father, uh, my mother's father, excuse me, who was very, very passionate about audio media in particular and i spent a lot of time with him and he would have be like this little four-year-old and he'd be playing opera in the house and i'd be listening to stuff like that old you know old radio shows opera musicals and musical films so it was a huge part of my upbringing and a big part of what i think helped spur my imagination as a kid and i was a pretty imaginative head in the clouds my own world kind of kid as well uh which 
I'll admit, did not necessarily make me the most popular kid on the playground, usually walking around, talking to myself um, mm. and uh, recalling all of the uh, things that I had listened to uh, that week, I guess, and almost reenacting them uh, on my own. And it was a s- strange thing for other kids to see, but it was something that definitely made me pretty happy and got me to get really into writing and storytelling. and eventually like i never really lost hold of that passion for audio and audio storytelling even as i went through college did some uh, engineering and set design education which now i'm doing scenic design work for this events company as mentioned and yeah i just feel like i'm like this yeah i'm like this kid who never really entirely grew up and decided that you know i've had enough of just listening to and being inspired by this audio medium and like kind of having my own imaginative headspace. I wanted to create and more of that for other people to sort of have that imaginative headspace. And maybe there's somebody else out there who's just kind of happy to play like a little movie in their head or something based on what I am putting out there. So I'd say that's a really, that's probably like the best way I can describe my connection to podcasting just audio as a whole wow that's pretty inspiring and pretty unique i haven't heard <laughs> that before so that's really cool so <laughs> you mentioned just as an aside you mentioned that you were part of a scenic designer for an events company mm-hmm. would that include things like maybe the macy's windows at, at holiday time or stuff like that or are, are we talking something differently from what i can from what i can uh say because i know that there's a lot of confidentiality in this kind of uh, entertainment business but yeah it it is essentially like that it's think we've done things like window displays we have um and i can say this our company has done installations in iconic places like rockefeller center and the plaza hotel uh places and popular venues all around new york um and also some other places in the country and uh, internationally in some cases so yeah it's a lot of those kinds of things and it's very fun in another way that i get to kind of flex my creativity wow is that stressful at all leading up to the event itself <laughs> oh yes oh wow <laughs> it's non-stop stress all the time but we get through it everybody in the office jokes around a lot and usually talks about their hobbies and i talk about my podcast a lot oh sweet so is it very satisfying when you get to see the actual end result usually? Oh yeah, definitely satisfying. You get to deal with a lot of everything from just internal back and forth to making sure that, you know, the client or whatever um creative artist or brand that you might be working with, like to see them happy especially is very 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 fulfilling. I would think yeah, well, now I would think I know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I think that's probably among the better parts of it. But I think uh, if I could give, like, besides the climbing happy, I think the other time that I feel very fulfilled is when I usually, a lot of times, I don't get to see the actual build. I'm usually on the front end doing a lot of the de- preliminary designs and things. And then a scene shop next door to our office builds a lot of the things and ships them out. But there are those few instances where I do get to go on site and see the whole thing come up and being able to actually see it tangibly and touch it and know that it was something that came out of my brain and the brains of other creative people is very cool and very fun. And I think that if I could go back and like kind of tell myself as a kid, like, hey, you're going to be creating a whole bunch of stuff and it's going to be out there in the world. I think that, yeah, smaller me would be very happy. That's pretty cool. It's almost straight out of a Hallmark holiday movie. It kind of is. Oh, cool. So when you talk to your coworkers about your podcast, is it received very well? I would say, yeah, because um, especially in the events and entertainment industry, there are a bunch of people who are just straight up nerds. So they will immediately ask me like, oh, where can I find it? You know, what is it like? I'll have. I do a few voices on the show. So sometimes if we'll be out after work or something, it'd be like, do the voices. And I'll be like, okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah, not it. I really appreciate the uh, support that I do get at work. I even have a, a coworker who does, who has a very similar passion, who does a lot of uh, voice acting and voiceover work when he isn't in the office. So we get to kind of exchange ideas on uh, production and vocal stuff. So that's very cool. So your current project is Heinous Investigations. What are the origins of that? Okay. Uh, the origins of that, I would say, actually go back to when I was in college. And there were a lot of times where I, I said I took a lot of engineering courses, and those could be very stressful. And for me, writing had always been a release of mine, creative writing, coming up with stories. And I was finding that to deal with that, I was doing a lot of writing and writing about like these same characters over and over and over again in different sort of comical situations. And that was my release from a lot of the stresses of school. And over time, it just developed more and more and more to the point where I had full-blown scripts and I had no idea what I was going to do with them because it didn't seem like there was a I, I couldn't see yet that there was a place for me to produce audio. I I liked listening to podcasts and list and music and all of that stuff that I already talked about, even like the old radio set shows and such. But it never really, for whatever reason, occurred to me that I could do those things. And then being involved in the entertainment industry uh, with live events, the uh, pandemic hit, and uh, I suddenly found myself without a lot of opportunities <laughs> for work. So I like basically the company where I work was stalled for a bit and had to do some major downsizing. It's since grown back to be even bigger and stronger than it was previously. But for a while it was, it was hard. There weren't any things going on out there. It was in lockdown and I had to really, I had the opportunity to sit down and have some like kind of be with my own thoughts. And I, I was so tired of just, I'm not a person who likes to, sit idle for too long so i was going stir crazy and i to kind of help myself i was like going back through these old college scripts kind of like oh this was funny i remember when i did this i really like built up a whole little world here and it just hit me that i was like i i have the time i am not going anywhere i think i if there's any other time to do this i think it's now so i just kind of jumped into it i realized a podcast was a great way to go because of how important uh, podcasts and audio drama and things like that are to me. So I just sort of dug through all the old scripts and refined them and then met an amazing, uh, talented group of people who were willing to go on this crazy ride with me and uh, put the show together. And it's been a blast and I count them among my closest friends now. I'd say that's a pretty good description of the journey. So a heinous investigation is basically what an, a monthly audio drama that you put together. It is, uh, yeah, it's about monthly. It ended up being, I believe, yeah, every every three to four weeks we put out some sort of content. We're currently in between seasons, so we've been putting out a lot of bonus content, things like reading scripts and funny voices, like our character voices from the show, and doing some group activities and some answering some fan questions, things like that. And, um, but yes, even with the normal episodes, uh, they're about monthly. I think we're actually aspiring, hopefully with this next season to be able to release them even more closely together. At least that's what I hope, but yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, it's an audio drama podcast following a, a supernatural investigation service in a small town on the American East coast. And they, uh, I think the main conceit of the show is that they are all incredibly dysfunctional and we take a lot of the tropes that you see in a lot of audio dramas especially horror and suspense audio dramas that have an investigation kind of model and we twist it around so it's more zany saturday morning cartoon scooby-doo kind of vibe than what you probably would expect from a investigate like a podcast with investigations in the name so i'd say that's yeah i'm all for the zoinks oh yeah now we've We've been compared to Scooby-Doo numerous times, and it's very funny. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So you started, I'm guessing, uh, early 2021. Is that when you started? We, uh, I actually got started pretty about halfway through 2020. Okay. 
is when we started putting it together. And then it took us until about March, 2021 is when we released our first three episodes. We did them all in one block before we started doing the monthly thing. Cause we wanted to get a bunch of them out there, especially cause the first four episodes kind of follow the same storyline. Uh, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I've started podcasts in a week before, but better podcasting itself took 10 months mm-hmm. to get off the ground we approached each other. Steven approached me and we're talking about the better podcasting main show mm-hmm. in the holiday season of 2014. So late December, 2014 in between the 25th of December and the new year's. And we didn't get our first episode out until late October. It took us that long. Now we were adding a video component, which you can kind of, if you're watching the YouTube or the Twitch stream of this, you can see some of the video elements that I've cobbled together from that to throw in here. So we did that, but also video streaming was not as easy as it is today. Really, the pandemic hit at a great time for streaming. I know a lot of people didn't have the proper equipment, but the backbone was there. And we had been using it for years in streaming and podcasting. So even with that, though, getting ready for it, getting all the video elements, getting the concept of the show together took us 10 months. So I realize it can take a while to get a project off the ground, especially if you're planning it. What we say on better podcasting is if you're in that mode that you're constantly tweaking it to, Oh, if I just need this one thing in order to get, just do it, just do it and get it out because out and available beats not done and in your head any day of the week and twice on Sunday. And as a graphic designer yourself, I think you can commiserate (laughs) with that too. Like you need to get the project done by a certain time. Yeah, definitely. And I remember there were some points where in producing the podcast, especially looking through scripts, I was going through these scripts like three times and I was like, nope, that that's my limit. I can't do this anymore. We got to move on to the next step in production. How has your show improved over time since your first episode? I think it's definitely improved in a lot of ways. I think audio quality has improved since then with a lot of the team who works on it, you know, we call ourselves Wildly Productions. Uh, we people were so enthusiastic about it that they were willing to, you know, really put the time in and invest in better equipment and better recording spaces, and um, you know, really put in all of that effort. So, just the quality of recordings on their own definitely went up. For one thing, we have an amazing. Uh, two person, I mean, technically three, including myself, editing team who are actually our two main sound designers and editors are both on the other side of the planet. One's in Denmark and one is in the UK. Nice. Yeah. So I will also say communication back and forth of the editing process in the beginning also led to episodes that were a bit less tight than they ended up being, but we were able to Once we started communicating more easily, we were able to mess around and do all kinds of fun things with the sound that just got more and more ambitious and silly as we went on. And that was definitely something, another way that I saw it grow. And I also think that the performances also grew a lot. The uh, voice actors who work on this, I basically, I I really loved their performances from the beginning. Uh, I auditioned on Casting Call Club and got over 400 submissions that I waded through. And a lot of the people who ended up being my friends and my uh, fellow creators, they just, uh, I remember hearing, like even wading through all these auditions, I'd be like, let me just circle back to, you know, so-and-sos. And so from the beginning, there was definitely like, I was like, this is the voice, but they have really come to understand what the, like who their characters are and have started to embody those characters in all sorts of ways, you know, both in the booth and out of the booth. And I feel like that attachment has made led to much more passionate performances. Not that they weren't great before, but it just keeps getting better and better and better myself included uh, with that, with a few voices that I do. This sounds like a complete passion project for you. You didn't Mm -hmm. have any theater training going into this. I actually, I, I did take some theater classes in college while I was doing my set design and my engineering. That was kind of 
I, I, I juggled a lot in college. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had my writing and I had my classes. And yeah, I actually did a few plays on the side. I had an extracurricular theater club that I did a bunch of uh, shows directing wise for. And I did a few acting things towards the end of college. And that's where I met some of the people who are actually on the show now. As it turned out, most people I did get through Casting Call Club, but then there were a couple friends from that acting experience in college. I was like, yeah, these guys are talented. They'd be so into this. And they were, you know, they they jumped on and they were great as I expected. And it, it was good. It's not to say like I was not an acting major by any means, but I feel like I was able to take what I learned there and also just what I've heard listening to performers on other podcasts and even uh, mediums like animation hearing uh, the voice acting there that was very inspiring for me i think when you formed wildly productions did you have some sort of financing or did you all contribute to it it was uh predominantly done via a kickstarter oh very small kickstarter a lot of us pretty much everyone jumped on with the uh, understanding that pay was not necessarily guaranteed with this. This was more like a bunch of people who really believed in the story and the characters and uh, wanted to get uh, some experience and put their passion into something. So uh, going into it, we didn't expect to make much and we put out a Kickstarter, which uh, we did end up uh, meeting our deadline. It was very, very close. I think it was like two or three days out and we got some amazing mega donors who were willing to donate in the a, a very like a, I, we appreciate the amount that they sent in and uh we counted ourselves very lucky and we were able to at least throw a little bit of money together and now um every once in a while we'll make a little bit of extra through our patreon and sometimes through uh sales of some merchandise that we have out there and it's um i wouldn't say it makes a tremendous amount but it it definitely is something that we've, like I said, we've all become friends sort of through it. So we're finding ways to just, I think, advance ourselves and the project and, you know, get the support that we can get, I guess. Sounds like there might be some business background to it. Is it like an LLC or a company or are you taking on personal liability for it? It is, I would say, yeah, I take on most of the liability for it. It's not I would like to one day get it to LLC status, but as of right now, it's just sort of a small non-LLC production group. That being said, our um, the podcast itself and all the associated characters and music and sound effects, it's all copyrighted. That's something that I was 100% sure to secure when we got into this. But, you know, my hope is that we can just keep developing it, especially because um, a lot of the people who are in our group are doing some amazing personal projects aside from this podcast right now. And we've all sort of the same actors been involved in each other's projects and overlapping a bit. So I think it's starting to grow at least at the very least as a collaboration among the same creators. Do you have formal agreements with the cast and the crew or is it just word of mouth? It is predominantly word of mouth. There was sort of an, there was an informal contract when everyone first signed on because back when everyone first signed on, almost everyone was a stranger to me. So I wanted to, you know, have something written down. So there was a very informal contract that everyone agreed to and signed off on in the beginning. But uh, it's become such like a group of like-minded creators. I think we've been a bit more lax on it since then. So you said that your crew created a better space to podcast in is it in a library is it in somebody's home where are you doing your recording and your performances well we're all still very much remote like we're all over the country <laughs> in, in a very real sense i don't think anybody i think the closest people to me or we have i have a couple people who are probably an hour away from me in the new york area but otherwise everyone is completely spread out and it's for a lot of people they built their own booths for this and other audio projects that they are either auditioning for or working on. But I think that 
uh, when I was meeting people in the beginning that uh, when starting the show, they it, it hadn't like they were all interested in voice acting and were auditioning for things. But a lot of them told me that they're like, oh, yeah, heinous was the first really big thing I got. And I felt really good about that. I felt kind of honored that I could bring people into something. And um, since then, since putting in all the podcast episodes and upgrading the equipment, they've, yeah, kind of, some people have gotten very into voice acting more so than they already were and took things to the next level, building full-on recording booths in their homes, or at the very least kind of designating a more specific recording space. So while it is all still remote, it's very much a lot more (laughs) upscale than what a lot of us were doing in the beginning, which was sitting under a pile of blankets talking into very, very cheap microphones. So you've improved from that and everybody, it sounds like everybody improved their own equipment in order to get better experience, but you're obviously connecting and recording somehow. What do you use to do that remote connection and recording? When we record, our big thing is we do, we actually have separate rehearsals that we schedule ahead of time via Zoom traditionally or Discord sometimes. I think our two main platforms where we actually all get together as many of us as we can. We'll sometimes have multiple rehearsals in a week. If not, everybody can make one. We'll kind of split the group up where we actually sit down with the script, either physical copies in our hands or on our computers over video chat. And we actually go through and read the script all together make notes, ask questions about our line delivery. I get asked a lot of stuff being the writer director like did that sound right is that that's how i think my character would say it and i'm like yeah you can like i i think i give everybody a pretty good amount of freedom to play around and uh like i said people have gotten so good with channeling their characters now that they usually come up with even better ways of doing a line than i would think of but that's what it is it's a lot of uh reading back and forth and laughing at ourselves and getting a solid understanding of the material and we record those sessions where it's just us going through the script, uh, and taking notes, and those are put up for reference. And then everybody goes off and records their lines remotely with our rehearsal to look back on as reference. It's definitely, I don't know if I've seen any other podcasters do it that way. I actually had Way back in the beginning, I have a story of someone who I had brought on to the podcast who is no longer like bowed out very early. And one of the main reasons was because he said, like, this isn't how it's done. This is like not the I I really wanted a collaborative space when making episodes. He's like, you just it's like this isn't what you do. Like you can't press people into doing things like this, like rehearsing this way and all this stuff. And he's like, it's never gonna work. I quit, basically. And I kind of am laughing at it. <laughs> and we laugh at it the further and further we get away from it. And I was like, well, uh, it worked out. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's definitely, I think, I know that, I shouldn't say I think, I know that a lot of the people in the group, they actually prefer it that way and really enjoy the connection that we all get, as opposed to me just sending them scripts and being like, okay, do your lines. Yeah, they really enjoy the sense of camaraderie and everything that comes with it and just being able to laugh at ourselves when maybe we mess something up and have to do have to go through it again to make sure that we'll get the takes right when we actually record. Plus you can feed off each other's and and understand what the other character is doing versus just reading your lines on a recording and sending it in. Exactly. That you hit the nail on the head. That's what I was going for. I wanted it to be that it was more organic the way that we would read lines because it even I feel like sometimes that can happen when you're recording remotely. You you don't get to go back and forth with the other person like you would get to do if you were in a big sound booth or recording space in the same yeah you were in the same space. So that's definitely something that I wanted, and it's gotten to the point where I'm now being asked, "Oh hey, uh, when are we going to start rehearsals for season two? I miss it." Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, I get that too, because Stephen and I have had some conversations. Better, the Better Podcasting main show is on a hiatus, but it's coming back the first week of November. And about a month or so ago, we're both like, hey, you know, it's, we think it's time. We think it's time. We were both getting excited to bring it back. Mm-hmm. I totally get it. So are, when you connect, is it video or is it audio only? 
It's typically video. It just it usually just depends on Wi-Fi connection, if we're being completely honest. But more often than not, it is video. We try to get, in spite of being far apart, we try to get as personal with each other as possible, even when we're, uh, yeah, reading. It's just it's all about the connection with our group. Do you use multiple different ways to connect, or is there just one way to connect, like with Riverside or with Discord or something? Yeah, no, it, it is predominantly Discord and Zoom are the main ways, just because they're relatively easy for us to record our rehearsals, especially Zoom, where you just press a button. Okay. Let's talk about show art, because I imagine with an audio drama, show art is probably more prevalent than other forms of podcasting. So what is your process? What is your approach to the graphics and show art for Heinous Investigations? In the very beginning, a lot of the the character art was on me, and I I do design work, but I'm not an artist in the sense of drawing figures of people, humanoids, and that kind of thing. I'm um, I don't think I'm the particularly cleanest at with it. So I would just draw a lot of doodles of the characters either on paper and take photos of them, or on like a very very basic like free app for drawing that would be kind of i think comparable to microsoft paint um so it was a lot of screwing around at first just to kind of show people my friends who work on the show with me in the beginning like this is kind of what your character looks like um just so you can uh understand it a little bit better but then i was fortunate enough to find out as i was getting to know everyone better that uh one of our voice actors who is absolutely just incredibly talented in so many ways, does straight up graphic design as his day job. And uh, after he had seen all the little doodles that I made of the characters, and he was like, let me take a crack at some actual character art. And it came out absolutely great. I kind of told him the style that I was looking for and it's like poses and Things like I can get into a little bit more detail on this later, but I have gotten to know these characters over so many years well enough that I was like, oh, yeah, this is how tall this character is compared to this character. And I just gave him as much information as I could, and he has just taken it and run with it and just produced some amazing stuff. Well, you sent me some examples, so I'm going to pull it up for the video watcher, viewer. Sure. Yeah, you can kind of just. Scroll through. Go through a few. So this first one is Algernon. Algernon is Adger- the name. Algernon. Like, uh, there's a few different... Yeah, there's a joke in the show that's said pretty much out, straight out in the pilot episode. There are two twin characters whose names are Algernon and Jack. We are Wildly Productions. They're, I am a big fan of playwright Oscar Wilde. The, his play, The Importance of Being Earnest, has the two main male characters are Jack and Algernon. And there's a joke in the context of the show where these two have parents who are particular fans of Oscar Wilde's in that play. And it goes over like pretty much every other character's head. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then let's see if I can bring up the next one. Yeah, I will say just going back to Algernon quickly, that is actually the voice actor who does Algernon. His name is uh, his name is Tuan Wen. I can probably say that because I'm sure he's always he's always looking for <laughs> commissions out there. Yeah, I share his uh, information sometimes via podcasting things because he does great stuff. But yeah, this is actually his character, which is very fun. Yeah, I like the shading in there. There's the the shadow underneath and everything. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Definitely a cartoon, not real, but it's uh-huh. also not a stick figure because if it was me, if I was mm-hmm. in your position. I would do stick figures and they would say, what's my character like? And I would show them a stick figure and then be like, <laughs> I'm not that thin. Yeah, it was definitely. Yeah, this is all deriving from the fact that the show itself has very, very cartoony elements to it. So this was just perfect to kind of see this like the best way I can describe it, I feel like is like to me, it resembles con- cut out construction paper in a way, <laughs> maybe similar to maybe a more elevated, maybe version of the. South Park um, is what I think, like kind of how everything is very colorful and geometric. And I, I really appreciated that 
Tuan was able to take that and run with it. But yeah. You got a lot of characters here. I don't think we have time to go through no, all just, of them. Just, you can just scroll on through. This is a show with loads and loads of characters. Yeah, just to give kind of a quick idea. People can, I guess, like looking through the video can probably, yeah, they can, they can pause this. Yeah, and kind of see who everybody is if they end up watching the show. Right. And then at the very end, we'll get there is actually your logo for your show, which is pretty neat. It's a, it's like a, a, a you know, the standard magnifying glass, except for it's very mm -hmm. intricate and it's not just a magnifying glass. You've got a star in there with multicolors, and then you've got what looks like a snake that's winding around the handle. It's like a tentacle kind of thing. Tentacle. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and this is actually, I had to make the logo for the show before I even auditioned anyone because I wanted to have something up there to kind of give the general vibe before people audition. So this is actually something that I worked on. And I think it's the few pieces of artwork associated with the show that I still use regularly. Well, it's got the name of the show in there. It's got a very large one piece that's very symbolic of, of a lot of things, I'm sure. And then it's highlighted like you're looking at it through another magnifying glass where, you, you know, the center is lighted and then you've got uh, it dulled around the corners. So it's if I was looking at a bunch of logos on a podcast catcher, I my eye would stop at this one and mm -hmm. be like, oh, what's that? It's it's yeah, very okay. neat. It's not too busy, but it's definitely eye catching. Yeah, that was that was definitely the goal to kind of make it look like, yeah, like it was being looked at in, in a magnifying glass microscope projection, something like, yeah, on like one of those old projectors, something like that. So, yeah, I'm glad that that comes across and I'm happy to hear someone says it's eye-catching. That's great. I never really dwelled too much on the logo, I think, once it was made. Yeah. Unfortunately, for better or for worse, they are kind of important. Now, you mentioned this a couple of times, so I just want to ask the question. About 400 people interviewed or, or um, uh, came About 400 in? people. Uh, I had about 400 audition submissions. Some people auditioned multiple times for multiple characters. Uh, okay. Especially because there were a lot of characters, regardless of what their actual gender was, I did not restrict the gender of the voice actors auditioning. So a, by all accounts, male character, there were some women and non-binary gender fluid people who also auditioned. So it was an incredible mix of people. And I appreciated my whole goal was to get a bunch of different people to try to do roles that maybe they wouldn't have necessarily been able to do on other projects. So yeah. It's almost reflective of real life today. Mm -hmm, for sure. So if you could have told yourself one thing before you started podcasting that would make it easier for you as you started podcasting, what would you have told yourself? To fully have all of your episodes done before you start releasing them. <laughs> For an audio drama, I could see that. For maybe yeah. some other types of podcasts, I could see that. But I would caution maybe not every podcast is like that. But we're True. talking about audio dramas today. So yeah. everything in a season, maybe? The thing is with some with a lot of audio dramas, I mean, everybody has a different approach. Some people will put will have a certain number of episodes done before they start releasing them. And other people just do it like a certain number of episodes a month and release them immediately afterwards so that they can keep up with a, you know, pretty current cycle for me. I just have, as always, I, I juggle a whole bunch of things besides working on the podcast. I have my day job, which the events industry can get very busy and have some very strange hours attached. Although I do try to keep it pretty regular, but yeah, so there's a lot of juggling things like that. There are some things that Wildly Productions specifically does on the side things like I mentioned in that, or it was mentioned in that little bio I had of myself. We do a lot of uh, RPG gaming on the side. I guess half is an exercise for our voice stuff, and half is just for a fun thing to do as a group. So juggling everything around for me personally, in my experience putting this audio drama together, it for me personally it works better to have things done sooner rather than later because i already have to keep tight deadlines with my day job so yeah but it, it, 
different for everyone. And I think that if I were to make that advice a little bit broader, I would say to just try to find the production flow that works best for you before just jumping right into it. You know, try to experiment with things, see what works, because it took me a while to finally find a system that ended up working out. And by then, the first season was like halfway over. So, yeah. Well, you live and you learn. And that's one of the great things about this show is I have a bunch of people come out and tell everybody what they learn. I have yet to have somebody on the show that has not started a podcast yet, but I am totally open to that and just talk my way through like a consulting session, just talk my way through how I would help them start a podcast. Mm-hmm. And talking about starting a podcast in the podcast industry, you're pretty focused on audio drama, but you're also a listener, an avid listener of podcasts. So do you have any gripes with the podcast industry as a whole? I think with the podcasting industry, much like plenty of other industries uh, out there, I I like to think I do a pretty decent amount of media consumption. I think that um, some of the biggest issues come with um, commercialization and not really giving smaller artists the exposure that they might be working really hard to attain because maybe they just don't have the funding or the resources. So I think that, and very often there are bigger podcast networks and celebrities who will put their podcasts out there. And of course they have all the funding and resources. And usually those are the things people will click on first. And I feel like there are a lot of good podcasts. I've met a lot of amazing, especially audio drama podcasters out there who have some good stuff and it's just hard. It gets drowned out in a sea of a lot of bigger productions or productions who may have just gotten a very, very good break. And a lot of name recognition, because you mentioned celebrities. So there is that too, where you're not building an audience, you're bringing a portion of your current audience over and just monetizing that through their listens and through perhaps donations. Although normally a show like that is ad supported or something like that. So talking about that, how would you or how do you work your way through promotion? Well, being involved in things like this where I get to come on and talk about my process in the show to uh, other podcasters, that's definitely one way. Cross promotion is something that you hear all the time, especially with audio dramas, people sharing trailers um, on each other's shows or having full on episode crossovers. I'm trying to think about some other things I've done. I've done some very interesting stuff. There was one bonus content piece we did fairly recently where we made tea blends and put the recording of us doing that on there. And now you can actually go on and buy the tea. So now people who come across the tea on the tea website will see that it's from a podcast. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, a lot of crazy. We do a lot of crazy off the wall stuff like that. That's kind of our whole MO is to do things maybe a little bit unconventional, but it's been getting more and more results. It's been very gradual for us, but we're grateful for every person who will reach out to us on our social media and will give us a very nice review. We just had one on Twitter over the past weekend and it just keep getting more and more traction over time. And I think that the more that you try to think out of the box with putting yourself out there for any podcast, the more likely it is to pay off. So there's a few things that you wanted to talk about. And the first thing that you had on your list is world building. And I've got to tell you, I'm a big guy into world building because you throw me into a story and then you build that world over time. I am all for that. And if you're doing a audio drama over a season or seasons, basically a series, I got to imagine you're doing some serious world building. (laughs) For sure. And Uh, I mentioned before, like as a kid, me walking around, throwing my little stories together on the playground by myself. Like I wanted to, when I was making the show, I wanted, it's like this, I wanted that show to be made with the idea of this is for those weird kids who have been doing that their whole lives. So yeah, and I still do that to this day. That's part of my main world building process is when I'm writing a scene or adding another layer to this world of heinous investigations that I've made for myself, I'll sometimes get up from the computer and I'll walk around my apartment and I will act out the scenes as the characters, even though it's an audio medium. I'll be like, if this was in the movie screen of my mind, 
what would this look like? Oh, what would be in the room? What would, you know, like how detailed can I possibly get? I would try to full on live in the world that I'm planning on building, if that makes sense. And I think it has made sense to people who I've shared it with, especially in the creative team with Wildly Productions and Heinous Investigations to the point where I think some people are starting to pick up on it with their own work. And that's really nice. But yeah, I think that the more you can kind of immerse yourself in that headspace, the more not necessarily realistic, because I'm writing about like a bunch of people solving paranormal mysteries, and they're all usually pretty paranormal and strange themselves. But it's definitely, I feel like it makes the world that you're building up more tangible, you know? I admit I've been doing it a little bit in my head myself as I'm walking my daughter's dog through the wetlands by my house. I'm out an hour or two hours every day. So I I listen to a lot of podcasts, but every once in a while I shut off the podcast. I'm like, okay, what if? And it's just like for my own entertainment inside my own head and just play through a story and like, okay, well, this happens and this happens. And I got to finish it off before I get home. Otherwise, it'll drive me nuts until I, I get to go out and walk the next time. So I do a little bit of it and I can understand where you're coming from, but I am as no means as organized as somebody that has to keep continuity involved or continues to expand the story as things go on, which you obviously have done. Mm -hmm, Definitely. I've, I've, I've gotten to some, I've gotten to some incredible levels of detail, the point where I have, I'll tell people, Oh yeah, by the way, your character is five, four. (laughs) Like, yeah. So when you're creating a character, what do you start out with? Physical attributes, mental attributes, what they do? What do you start out with and how does that grow? Typically, with this being an audio medium, usually the first things that come out are the vocal mannerisms and the voice. I do the first things as well as, yeah, now some of the mental attributes as well. And then as I kind of figure out where I feel like this character is coming from, then I can kind of start to see their physical attributes around that, especially when it comes to, I'll start thinking like, what are their families like? And then that will usually branch into things like ethnic and racial background, socioeconomic background, things like that. And I definitely, uh, I'm wondering, I, I try to think like what factors make this character the way that they are. So yeah, it's kind of starting with like the, base most things that you're going to hear when you first hear an audio drama and then it just grows and grows from there until the point where i can tell my graphic designer voice actor buddy to draw them exactly the way i would have pictured it when i was starting with just the main thing and now we've gotten this whole image but then once you get the character you have to work on the character's relationships with other characters and how they fit in the story as it goes along yep and that's usually where the walking around and being all the different characters in my head comes in. That's how I've written some of the first scenes I wrote for the podcast came out that way. And honestly, some of the better scenes I've written for the podcast, that's how they came out was being like, oh, me standing at one side of the room, like this is how this character would speak to this character and then running to the other side and being like, okay, back and forth. And then eventually I would just stop, you know, eventually I would stop with the running back and forth, move back to my computer and be like, this is it. It's a little bit of a hyperactive situation, but it does definitely bring out some pretty great results. And sounds creative. Yeah, yeah. it's it's an off the wall creative strategy for sure, but it's been working. And yeah, I think that the more and more that we write episodes, and that I also get to know the people who are now behind these characters, I can even like bring some of their their personalities into it or they bring some of their own personalities before I get the chance to and it's it that's you know how it kind of you know develops and how I can add more depth because I know what my friends are now capable of and it's yeah it, it it's all just one huge uh endeavor I feel like to develop things I try to consider everything when I do it okay and um, one of the things that you want to consider and we talked about it a little bit already, is representation, which is incredibly important, I think, in this day and age of 2022. I actually wish it wasn't important, but we're at a precipice, (laughs) I think, in society where it is important. Mm -hmm. And it's important to reflect that in the arts that we consume. And Mm -hmm. you try to do that with your show as well. Yes. I personally, I am a mixed ethnicity person. I have 
my mom was born and raised here in the U.S. And my dad immigrated to the U.S. when he was about 14 years old from Ecuador. And uh, it definitely led to my upbringing being, well, what I thought was pretty normal. And then slowly realizing as I got older that that was apparently not the same as what plenty of people where I was growing up were going through. And even though I would relate to and project onto in a lot of ways, the characters and like cartoons and other media that I watched as a kid, I felt like it still, there was still nothing there that really wholly represented me specifically that mixed experience as well as that for the most part, especially as a kid, like that very introverted stuck in my own head experience. And uh, I think those were two big things for me. And then I think the other big factor of representation wise would be probably mental health and I guess um, I'm trying to think mental and I guess cognitive health would be the best way to put it. I have characters who are, I have one character who I actually voice in particular who has a verbal tick because that is something that as someone who I've had anxiety diagnosed from a very young age chronically, and it was something that I didn't really see a lot of in characters. So I really wanted to have a character in there with a verbal tick and it ended up being one of the things one of the attributes of the character that listeners and people in the production crew alike are like particularly fond of because it's something that people can now get to see or listen to rather because <laughs> that's definitely the key component of the podcast and uh of podcasting in general and um on top of that there's also uh when i say the mixed experience i have several mixed characters not that you can necessarily you know, since it's an audio medium, it's like, oh, well, you don't see that they're mixed. So what's the point? Like, unless you look at the artwork, so what's the point? And I'm like, that it's a point in to me in that, well, what does like, what does mixed look like? It's, <laughs> you know, it's too complete. Well, it's not completely different, but it's usually someone of multiple ethnic or racial backgrounds. And to me, it's more about the experiences with your culture and your family and how that shapes you than necessarily how you look. And I think audio drama presents a really good opportunity to look at the person and their experiences before the part that I think so many throughout history, so many people have gotten bogged down with, you know, has caused so many issues. So that's definitely where I think the mixed thing comes in. And I also have Going from a Latino angle as well, one of the characters I have specifically speaking Spanish, which is nice. I made it part of the character arc almost, where in the beginning she speaks pretty much entirely English. And then I have a voice actor specifically. I asked for voice actors of color to audition. And the voice actor who does her voice is wonderful and was completely on board for throwing in Spanish. And it became a whole thing where as this character opened up over time, you got to see more of their character, more of their character and their culture and how that shaped them as a person. And I think that that's all very, very cool <laughs> to put it completely simply. And I think that I think any other fun opportunities for representation that I've had in here. I, I mentioned a little bit besides um, the anxiety and the verbal tics, we have a character who is, I think it's fair to say that in a group of a bunch of crazy nerdy, like theater kids in a lot of senses, it's being neurotypical is not necessarily high on the list of uh, things of attributes of this group. So we have a character who is particular who definitely has neurodivergent uh, or neurotypical tendencies, and once again, it's another thing that 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 character has gone on to become one of the most popular and relatable characters in the show. And I just, I just feel like it goes on from there. It's we have a whole range of sexualities among characters, a whole just every background that I could include that I felt that I 
personally was in a position to share. I didn't want to go into anybody's race, ethnicity, or culture that maybe I don't have the most familiarity with and write something that I don't know. But I tried to do the best that I could with what I had and get as many different perspectives in a silly show about chasing after ghosts as I could. In my profession, we solve engineering processes and problems. And by doing so, what is really an asset to us is something that I will call diversity of thought. And getting that diversity of thought of different perspectives and different ways to look at a problem is only really doable if you get people from a diverse background. And I am big into making a team better through diversity because of that. You get the diversity of thought, you get the different backgrounds of it. And to see that reflected in storytelling and art is always a pleasure for me because you know I'm obviously a white guy from the Midwest, and that is what my background is. My best friend is one of the Vietnamese, uh, the, the, the people that came over from Vietnam in the last day of the Vietnam War. He was just a small child when that happened, but I at least can relate to that because that's been part of my life. And he has a different family viewpoint and a different world viewpoint than I had. And that started me down the path of there's got to be more to this world. You can get it through traveling. You can get it through meeting a diverse number of people. But to be able to include that in a story successfully is pretty cool. So congratulations on both attempting that and successfully bringing it together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I could just put in one more thought about it. I think another thing that's very important just when it comes to putting these uh, stories and perspectives out there is I feel like if I could give not, not about podcasting, but if I give a complaint about media that I've shared with a lot of other creators in general is that when it does come to diversity, there are sometimes people out there who, for whatever reason, when I guess a good example is if you have a specifically, I've seen it a lot in the context of queer relationships and things in films and TV, especially it, they'll make especially TV a lot of, I guess, shows tend to, it's very strange. You can tell when the creator actually has talked to or is uh, a queer person and they uh, will be like, uh, um, but when it's not, it's very much like, oh, look, we did this. Aren't you happy? (laughs) And that's something that I just want to put out there that I was also trying to avoid because, you know, going off of this back and forth that we just had, It's all about just the perspective and the people who come from all of these different cultures and backgrounds and several other traits and qualities that that's what's really important. It's the people and their experiences and not, oh, look, we can check off this box now. We made people happy. Yeah, I think we're past that. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I think, I mean, I think we're, pa- I, I, I'm glad that we've had that phase and I, I know yeah. it's still ongoing, but I think we're the, the real value in works to me is when that's not just a checkbox. Yeah, exactly. And I, I do agree that luckily people are, I have seen so many new shows coming out there that take a so much more authentic and genuine approach to whatever diverse stories they're covering. And I think that's very, very good. <laughs> Yeah. So you mentioned one of the other things that you wanted to talk about was giving a show an identity. And in hobby podcasting, I will relate that to branding, which I know is completely separate, but it's something that I can relate it to. So you're trying to give a show an identity like a podcast, like, I don't know, business to business podcast might want to give it a brand, but an identity is a separate thing for an audio drama. So do you want to describe what you mean there? What I basically mean by an identity, I think, is if I could go even like simpler, I feel like it's just what is the heart and soul, the core of the show. I feel like there are a lot of shows out there that people won't give a chance because they assume it follows the same model. I feel like that's something that's even been an issue with 
you know, getting heinous investigations out there. I feel like because there's been so many archive and investigation and mystery based podcast, audio dramas, podcasts, that's just something that lends really well to the medium of audio drama. That's like you put in, I say it to people all the time, you put investigations in the name and then people assume it's the same thing. But I think that's why it's really important to work towards getting a really good um, tagline, trying to build up the fan base of people who you think would be most into your content by making your content follow the same kind of personality of the show itself, like additional content that is, and just, uh, yeah, fully kind of immersing yourself in what makes your show stand out. And I think in the case of heinous, a good um, example of that would be that we do solve mysteries, you know, there is the investigations aspect of it, but that actually takes a backseat to the antics of the characters and how all these characters of different backgrounds interact with each other and how at the end of the day, the real story is just the very wholesome, uh, slightly chaotic and cartoonish antics of this group of people who otherwise may not be in the same position. And that's how we really try to market things. We try to play up the camaraderie and zany antics aspects of a show so that people just don't see it and just skip over it because they just think it's something else. And I think that that's more of the same, that is. And I think that that is something that a lot of audio drama podcasters should definitely consider if they haven't done that right out of the gate. Thinking back on your show, in the 30 what 37 38 episodes something like that that's out there including bonus content yeah do you have a favorite moment that just comes to mind it doesn't have to be your favorite favorite moment but just one that comes to mind from your show from the show specifically i see it's just it's hard because it's sweet it's just there's so many great performances and so many silly storylines that come up i think um, let me think maybe in from a perspective of one of the characters I've done. I know that for me, the season finale or uh, for the first season has been talked about quite a bit and uh, people have responded very well to that, the small audience that we do have. And I think for me personally, being in the booth and me getting to yell in an obnoxious transatlantic accent, unleash hell was particularly fun. <laughs> and I think that every person in the Wildly Productions group will tell you that they have that one line that they remember vividly doing takes of in the booth or they or it being fully in their character voice and letting out a string of cuss words that then get saved for the blooper reel. I think that part of the process specifically is um, just as a whole is something that's really stand out. The fun that you have in the recording. Mm hmm. Okay. From rehearsal straight through to the takes. We've had a few comments that I'd just like to show here. One, we had a hello from Argentina. Hey, nice. Not too far from Ecuador. It's like, hello. <laughs> and then Matthew Bliss came in and he said he was talking about what you were talking about a few <laughs> minutes ago. I don't suppose the approach Jess uses was inspired by Gollum, Smeagol scenes, and Lord of the Rings. To be honest, I did grow up watching that movie. My mom is a huge Hobbit Lord of the Rings freak. Uh, so we had all the extended cuts in the house and I was watching those from a very, uh, like all the director's cuts from a very young age. So maybe it rubbed off on me. We'll have to talk about Rings of Power after we get offline here. Okay. And then also Matthew said, inclusivity should not be tied to sight alone. Love that perspective. Mm. Well, thank you. That's what I'm going for. There you go. So, Jess, I think we've laid the foundation here. You're the writer, director, and producer of Heinous Investigations. Where can people find you and your show? All right. Let's, let me pull up the list of all the places here. We have a whole mess of stuff. We have, I'll start with the Patreon first. We have, uh, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash wildlypods. There are a bunch of opportunities to get involved with extra behind the scenes stuff on there. We have a Discord for 
some of our patrons where sometimes we'll joke around and comment on episodes and releases and things. We have a little sideshow for when our main series comes back. We do a talk back that usually gets released a few days after the first episode called Wildly Abandoned. You can go on there and one of the rewards for patrons is suggesting a topic for Wildly Abandoned for us to do in uh, once we've done talking about the episode proper. So lots of fun, cool stuff like that. We've got a YouTube channel where we repost our episodes, both the main podcast and Wildly Abandoned. If you look us up at Wildly Productions, and it's spelt, I said before, kind of Oscar Wilde's name. So if you look up Oscar Wilde, it's W-I-L-D-E, and then put an L-Y at the end, Productions. I like Olivia Wilde personally, but, you know, for each their own. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got, so that's Wiley Productions. We've got a Redbubble shop where you can find some cool uh, podcasting merchandise under the shop name is Wildly Pros. And then we've got our, uh, we've got our social media. We've got Reddit. Our Reddit username is Wildly Pods. That's usually where we get questions recommendations will recommend our podcast or other people will recommend their stuff to us cross promotional inquiries is usually where i'll see a lot of things is on reddit but you can also please reach out to us tell us what you think about the show on instagram at wildly underscore heinous pod tiktok wildly underscore heinous pod twitter heinous pod and tumblr at wildly productions although i admit that one we don't used very much i think you're more likely to get us with any of the first few there and i think that covers all of it <laughs> it's a big old mess of stuff out there you gotta you gotta shamelessly self-promote <laughs> well that's what this is all about shamelessly self-promote at the end well just thank you very much for coming on today i've learned a lot about audio dramas i know that there's even more out there so so much yeah might uh need to have you back on to talk about a few things a little oh, bit more sure, sometime yeah. in the future. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for spending your time with Jessica and me over the past hour. If you like content like this, please subscribe to the Better Podcasting YouTube channel and like the video, you know, ring that bell too for notifications. At least that's what I hear all the YouTubers say. Or if you are listening to the audio version, give Better Podcasting Chats with SP a follow on your podcatcher app. Stephen and I would greatly appreciate it. Next week on Tuesday, October 18th, 2022, I have some time scheduled with podcast editor and composer Kathleen Childs. Kathleen has been nominated for Sound Design Awards and Narrative Podcasts. She won Best Actual Play at the New Jersey Web Fest in 2021 for her project, Sword of Symphonies. And she's got a lot to say about using field recording, sound design, dialogue editing, and the technical aspects of podcasting. So join us Tuesday, October 18th, 2022 at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, streamed on the Better Podcasting YouTube channel. In the meantime, you can come and join the conversation on our Discord server about podcasting at betterpodcasting.com slash discord. You can find both Stephen and myself there every day. See everybody next time. Bye.